You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. I say what the Lord says, and I've seen a lot of fulfillment in what God has said to me. Praise God. There are greater things, and you know, great things that God will do in 2017. And it will be so amazing. And I'm not prophesying by faith. I'm, I'm prophesying by vision, by what God said to me. I just pray that you be a partaker of what the Lord will be doing in 2017. Because 2017 is going to be very active for this church. It's going to be a real time of blessing, a real great time of revival, a real time of explosion. That is what the Lord has been showing me. Praise the Lord. And he said, I should tell you to get ready for what he is going to do. Let me tell your neighbor, get ready for what God is about to do. In this place, in 2017, you will live. Come on, prophesy to somebody, you will live. You will not die. You will be a partaker. Together we will get to December 2017. And you will be able to testify. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. I'm preaching on what I tie to from ordinary to extraordinary. From ordinary to extraordinary. And I'm going to take my text from Mark 14, from verse 3. The book of St. Mark, chapter 14, from verse 3. I discovered that too many people feel too incapable to enter into the purposes of God. As a matter of fact, when God begins to tell you what he's about to do in your life, you will tell God, no, I can't. I have never seen anyone that God reveal himself to or God appears to, whether through angels or through whatever means, that they will not say, I can't do it. Because you feel you're ordinary and there's no way you can do what God is saying you should do. Or you feel you're a sinner and you have not gotten to where God wants you to get to. So you say, I am an ordinary person, so I cannot do it. Or sometimes, because of the past, when you look into your past, you just feel, how can God use me? God can't use me because my past is too horrible. And you look at what you have done or what you have not even done, and you say, God, how can you be telling me? It must be the devil, and you begin to resist. I resist this voice telling me he will use me. I'm too ordinary. I can't, I'm not qualified. That's what people say. Or because you'll be rejected sometimes. You know, because of rejection. Even when you come to a place of love, you still feel rejected. And your spirit begins to, maybe you come to an assembly like this and you see the love of God that is flowing. You just suspect everybody. This love cannot be real. This is fake. I think that's what they want to know. They want to know about me. And I'm not going to open up. And I'm going to close, my, and, and we used to tell people when they come for the first time to church, we say, please put the right address, and don't put your nickname, put your real name. Don't put, don't put Jasper. <laughs> you know, sometimes people put nicknames. So when you go visit them, you can't find them. And you're wondering, this person came to church because he feels he does not want people to encroach into his privacy 
because he feels there's what he doesn't have. And when you don't have that, you are not accepted. So that's why you doubt that you are not going to be used by God. But God is telling me to tell you that even though you are ordinary, God is going to use your ordinariness to fulfill his purpose. Let's read this story. I'm being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. As he sat at table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then he broke the flask and poured it on his head. Talking about somebody having got. That is this woman. That was this woman. He just walked in. But there were some who were indignant about themselves, among themselves. And they said, why was this Frank, that oil wasted. Go ahead, just go ahead to verse 9. For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her. How? Sharply. Sharply. You can just imagine that. But Jesus, but Jesus, but, oh, hallelujah, glory. But Jesus let her alone. It's time to leave some people alone. Let them be what God wants them to be. You may criticize them, you may gossip about them, you may say things about them, but Jesus will never do that. She came in and Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Hey, may you receive a commendation from the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Even when people don't commend you, when your pastor don't see anything, when leaders don't even know what you're doing, you are behind the curtain, behind the scene, doing something for the Lord. Jesus is saying, let her alone. He has done a good work for me. May that be your story. May that be your testimony. Let her alone. She has done a good work for me. Let's go ahead to verse 7. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. That's another word you should notice. Just notice some words in these verses. She let her alone. Okay? She has done a good work and she has done what she could. Nobody's asking you to do what you cannot do. No, no church will ask you to do what you cannot do. Nobody's asking you to give what you cannot give. Just give what you can give. Amen. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. I surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached, like I'm preaching today, 2,000 years after preaching the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Somebody clap your hand for Mary or whoever that was. Praise the Lord. I want you to paint a scenario of Mary or this woman that was coming, a woman, another, some other gospel called Mary, praise God, just one day decided to meet Jesus. And why did she decide to meet Jesus? She heard that there is a preacher in town that don't condemn people. Because she will never go, go near the synagogue she will never go near the high priest. They will never allow her to come close to the things of God. But she heard that this Jesus was different. And I want you to know Jesus is different. He does not think the way you think. He said, I came to save sinners. Never you ever think someone is too sinful to be saved. The worse, the better. For him. Oh, the blood that Jesus said way back on Calvary tree. The blood will never, never lose his power. 
the toughest thing that jik or whatever, uh, what, what do you call them now? Jik and not jik out. The blood of Jesus will wash it clean and it become white as snow. Praise the Lord. So this woman heard that someone is in town. The name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, she wanted to see. And she has heard, you can walk up to him. And just I'm painting a scenario where Mary, who was an outcast, who should not even go among people, who was a harlot, praise God, and who was rejected by every religious activity of the day. May I tell you, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a way of life. And church is the hospital for sinners. And she said, I'm going today. And she wore her very beautiful dress. And she was going to the house of Simon. By the way, Simon had been cured of his leprosy, but they still call him Simon the leper. Talk about people not forgetting your past. Even when God has forgiven you, when will you stop calling people by whatever Jesus healed them of? By whatever Jesus has forgiven them from? Simon the leper. And she was going to the house of Simon the leper. Talking about ordinary people taking risk for God. Amen. Amen. The people you call ordinary are God's own candidates for calling, for promotion. And she went majestically and walked straight to the master. Imagine, who could still can stop such a determined person? You know, when you are determined, nobody can stop you. All this, I went there. Once somebody didn't allow me, I went to submit my what, what you call credentials. And the gate man, gate man, gate man, what is your problem? They didn't allow me, they didn't allow, they won't allow me. Who won't allow you? Just put yourself in the shoes of Mary. Mary carry whatever she, feel, she feel, felt was the big deal that she has. Guess where she got the money of that perfume from? From prostitution. And you think Jesus didn't know? That's why money is called the unrighteous mammon. Because you never know where it's coming from. It got to your hand. You don't know whether it's ritual money, sangoma money, wherever. But you just saw a hundred rand. Where it's coming from, you do not know. It's the unrighteous mammon. So you should treat it like that. And don't ever let it possess you. She came straight to Jesus and poured oil on his head. Oh my God. You know, talk about people being led to do whatever they want to do. There are many things you think we annoy God, we grieve God. No, it's your mind telling you. You can be radical in the house of God. You can do, you can be annoyed, you can be, you can, you can be annoyed and go and buy a car for pastor. God will not be annoyed. You know, we, when we travel to the United States of America, sometimes UK, they're always apologizing. I don't know. I don't want you to be insulted. I just want to give you these shoes or this skinny. I'm like, nobody is insulted by giving one a gift. Just go ahead and do what the Spirit tells you to do. Tell me, tell your neighbor, go ahead, go ahead. Tell your neighbor, tell them, do, do, do. Because it can't be worse. It can't be worse than just coming inside and just pouring oil on Pastor Eric said. And just, just like that in the presence of people. In the presence of people. 
she did it. And she became an extraordinary woman. Even though she was ordinary, she was a reject. Society don't want to listen to her. She became one of the greatest disciples of Jesus. I'm sure it was that same anointing of things that made her say the body must be anointed too because that is her ministry. Ministry of anointing things. And even when Jesus was dead in the grave, he said, let's go and anoint his body. And Jesus right there and then commended her. Wherever this gospel is preached, wherever this gospel is preached, the name of that woman will be mentioned. How many people want to do that in today's, in this generation, so that your name will be mentioned as one of the heroes of this church? As one of the foundation members, those who carry the burden of the church upon your head. That is how to become an extraordinary person. It does not have anything to do with the kind of clothes you wear every Sunday. It has much more to do with what you are doing for God. She became an extraordinary person. She became an extraordinary person. May God make you an extraordinary person in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Let's see. I love that scripture because it's my scripture. It's mine. You know, some scripture it may not be applicable to some people. It can't be applicable to you if you have a PhD in whatever, or you have a master's degree in whatever, whatever, whatever. You have everything. But some of us, this, this is it. You see your calling, brethren. That man, not many wise. According to the flesh. When they say, why is according to the flesh? You don't have some kind of educational background. That's your calling. Not many mighty. Are you mighty? Is your father the king of England? Or the queen of England? How mighty are you? Not many noble are called. Let's go ahead. Okay? Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. It means go to verse 27. <laughs> for God, I think we should all read it together. Let's read it together. Why don't you go? For God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wife. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Verse 28. And the best thing, the best thing we use is stop. You are at the bottom. Nobody sees you. Nobody recognizes you. The best things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. <laughs> and the things which are not, that don't even exist, to bring to shame, to, to, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh, that no flesh, so glory before him. Ladies and gentlemen, this, is, this was the life some of us were living before God called us. Ordinary things becomes ordinary, extraordinary. I was telling uh, a little bit of my story, a little bit, just a little bit of my story to Uba the other day. The land we, are, we own now as a church is about 36 plots of land. And when I was young, we were so poor. You know, you can be poor, right? Yeah. We were so poor that the poor were even calling us poor. 
And, uh, and uh, oh my God. Because the people we thought were rich, now, growing up, we just felt, so, were they really rich? They were not rich. They just could afford some meals and some, you know, clothing and so on. So, and we have to hawk bread with my siblings to, to be able to, to, to feed. We hawk bread, we're hawking uh, bean cake, we were hopping, you know, hawking yams, and we would go to people's home, knock their door, and I remember a particular woman when we were so young, we were children. When you knock her there, you say, "Check your hand. I think your hand is not dirty." Do you know this person became a member of my church, and it's among those that call me mommy now. Talk about God taking the best thing and putting you on top. Just from nowhere. It's only God that can do that. It's a miracle. And God is doing it in your life right now. So we will go. We'll be knocking gates and doing. And then there was no water in the house. Because we couldn't afford a borehole. And of course the government water in some third, third world country don't always run. You have to fix your own water. And so we were going to this particular place to fetch water. And many times they would drive us from that place. Don't ever come here to draw water again. If I see your leg, and every time you have to plead and beg and ask, please, we don't have water. We just have to do this. Please, I'm begging you. And all those and all those. And, and, and we now, today, that is the land our church occupies. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know there are some properties you are looking at and it seems you will not be able to attain it. You don't even know it's yours. Because from the foundation of the world, God already ordained that how ordinary you may be, you own that place. And it's only God that knows that he's going to give it to you. He has given it to you. You know, God will tell his people, the land you are stepping upon is yours and it will look like how. How can this land be mine? And myself and my sibling and, uh, and all of them are pastors now. Doing great work for the Lord. And we will look at ourselves. Do you remember when we used to come here to fetch water? And we would be begging and they would be driving us. Why can't there be a vision, a revelation that God has shown us and we say, do you know this is our land? They will think we are crazy. They will think we are insane. But glory be to God, we occupy that big expansive land that God has given to us. And people that we were selling bread to started coming to our church. Looking up to us for everything. The great and the wonderful work of God. Making ordinary people becoming extraordinary. This miracle will happen in your life because I'm not speaking theory. I am speaking from experience and the anointing of God upon my life to transform life is here right now. To transform you from where you are to where he wants you to be. We were so poor that some of my cousins that were so privileged, that went to school, that had everything. When they want to, 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 to do wedding, they don't put us as their little brides and all those. And we'll be looking at ourselves. Are we that ugly? Is it that we are so ugly? What is the problem? 
And somebody told another one, don't ever marry around them because if you marry around them, they will never leave you. They will keep asking for shoes and asking for bag and asking for all this type of thing. And ladies and gentlemen, they are the one asking for shoes and asking for bags. And we are giving them shoes and giving them bags. And we are sending their children to school. The wonderful work of God. Turning ordinary people to extraordinary people. That is what God is doing in this place. That is what he will do in your life. God is a faithful God. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for me, he will do for you. And he can do it for you. Hallelujah. Oh, one of my cousins was abroad studying medicine. And we were asking the mom, what is the address? He said, I don't know. Because they don't want us to know the address. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm fed up traveling all over the world now. I'm so fed up traveling all over the world that I have to say, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to America. I don't want to go to Philippines. I don't want to go to Australia. I don't want to go. I have traveled all over the world, all over Europe, Africa, everywhere. Name it. I never knew I was going to be like that. But God made it so. Why? Because he chose me. God is choosing somebody this morning. Oh, when God has decided to bless you, he will not change his mind. There's nothing anybody can do about it. It's only you that can hinder your own progress and your own blessing. It's only you. It is only you. But if you will just allow God, just release yourself so that he turns your ordinariness to being extraordinary. What, what do I want to say? What do I want God to do for me again? He has done so much. And people come around and say, is it you? I say, it's me. Call me by my name, my family. By the grace of God, I'm the most blessed in my family today. In my entire family, I am the most blessed. Praise God. There was a time in my church when the church was young and we would be doing church and we would be doing, you know, and people were always saying, she doesn't know how to dress. You know, pastor's wife are always subject of gossip. I don't know about, not here, not here. It doesn't happen here because uh, all of you are holy and uh, whatever. And somebody went to UK then and bought some, some kind of blouses, I don't know, and said, let's give her so that we can teach her how to dress. And, and she didn't tell me, but the spirit said, that's what this, she discussed. And the, the spirit said, don't even touch it, don't even use it. Sorry, sometimes you do things, you don't know why we do things. It's because of what the spirit says. And it's not because of anything. Because the spirit said, don't even wear that cloth. And I didn't wear it, and I gave it out to somebody else. And one day, just a few, few months back, maybe LA, late last, uh, last year or LA this year, I was telling somebody, I said, the reason for my not being trendy, who doesn't know how to be trendy? Have you seen the, the, the wife of some ministers? What do you call them here? You call them ministers? Or the wives of uh, governor? What is governor here? Premiers. They were ugly before, but as soon as they get into money, every, see, oh God, have you seen any president's wife that is ugly? No, 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 no. There's money. When there's money, you'll be beautiful. 
God give you your facial feature. Everybody is beautiful. Every woman is okay. Don't be looking for it. She's not beautiful. Just get the money and see what transformation. <laughs> what transformation can take place? When it, money? <laughs> money answers some things. Okay. So I was telling them, I said, then this is what you were saying. But now, the reason why I was trying to manage my money, like the other guy was saying, is because we want to acquire some things. And today, by the grace of God, none of you is richer than myself in this whole church. And I was not talking by faith. Yes. Because some of us are like the parable of the talent. God called you to be a preacher, not because you are lazy. He called you because he put that gift in you. And maybe I have five talents. And I look at myself, I said, okay, I have some four talents left. What will I do with it? And I started doing business. And God started blessing me. I mean, re-blessing. Not in rand, though, I don't know. Because they say some people are millionaires in dollars and in pounds. But comfortable enough to do whatever I want to do. And I was telling them, I give more than you all. And everybody was like, oh, this is true. You are ordinary now. But I see millionaires being raised from this church. Not millionaires because you want to consume upon your loss, but because you want to help the work of God. That is what God is doing. Let's see some other example in the Bible. Are we doing good this morning? Are we doing good? Karobobo shatalaba. Amen. I, I, I'm quoting someone that says, a person who risks nothing does nothing, has nothing, and is nothing, and it becomes nothing. Just imagine if that woman didn't take that step. She would not be where she is today. Let's see Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. Matthew 14, verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the wave, for the wind was contrary now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, He's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Okay? But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Look, if it is you, command me to do what? To come. Command me to come. What did Jesus say to him? Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Let's stop there because you will want me to go to where he started sinking. (laughs) But that's not what I want to concentrate on now. He said, Jesus, if you are the one, tell me to come. And Jesus, not this, didn't say, Peter, come. He said, come. If every one of the disciples has stepped on that word, come. All of us will have experienced something extraordinary. That word come was not for Peter alone. He said, if you are the one, let me come. He said, come. And they said, you go into that risky water. You go, 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 go. And I'm sure instead of tapping on that word of God, because when God says to one, he says to all. 
Instead of stepping on that word of God, they pushed him forward and they were discouraging him and shouting on him. But the record is that Peter walked on water. Some people say maybe he took one step, we see, oh, I don't know. But Peter walked on water. An ordinary human being became extraordinary because he had the word come. And he took the word by faith and walked on water. Whatever God is saying to, to you in this church today, that he will do great and mighty things in 2017, is the word come. And it's not meant for the pastor and his wife alone. It's meant for everybody. How many of you believe God will do great and mighty things? God has started dealing with me about 2017. God gave me the word. My own personal word. Customized word for 2017 is inspiration. Anything that will not inspire me should not come close to me. Don't even come near my radios. I don't want you. Don't want you to, 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 to ruin my motivation. Inspiration. Being inspired to do great and mighty things. And hello, hello. God has told me, go plant church in Nikoi. He knows that's why he's laughing. The amount of even rent a place in that place, I don't know where it's coming from, but it's coming. And I'm stepping upon that water. I am stepping upon that water. Say, go plant church in Nikoi. And already, I've started putting, you know, people together, team together, those that will go with me. How the church is going to be, is going to be one of the most amazing church you've ever seen. It's called Realm of Glory, the contemporary church. Yes. And God has told me how everything will be done. In fact, we are going to be serving people the way you serve people in the plane in our department. You can as well just steal my idea right now. <laughs> it's not, there's no copyright. It's going to be, you know, when you are in the plane and the host or the hostesses are serving you, they say chicken or beef. Chicken or beef. How will it happen? I don't know. But I know when it will happen. Because I get back home in January, the search for a place begins. And God is going to do it. He has even done it. He said, don't do it because the word come have been said. And an ordinary person is, is not ended. This is not, your, this is not your rest. God is going to take you further and further. As a matter of fact, God said to me, he will begin to give you visions that will put many fruit on your trees. Many, many fruit. Visions, visions for 2017 that will put many fruit on your trees. Peter walked upon water. Can you walk upon water today? The answer is a resounding yes. Once Jesus say, come. Once he says, come. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's see the story of this woman, Rahab. Let's go to Joshua chapter 2. That's another person. God has many crazy people in the Bible. There was a time, there was a book, I think I saw it here. I can't remember, but saw it in the books of here. He called them bad girls of the Bible. The very bad girls of the Bible. Rahab was one of them. In Joshua chapter 2 verse 1, see what happened. You know, Joshua, the son of Moses, sent out how many men? Two men. He, she learned something from Moses. Moses sent 12. 12 people that are not in the same connect group. 
12 people that don't speak the same thing, that don't have the same mind, in the name of just wanting to represent, you know, sometimes, let's put Zimbabwean here and put two Zulus here and put uh, uh, Osa here and put the tribe. Africans here. And put, that was what Moses was doing. And so he put 12 people that are not of the same mind. So he learned his lesson. I love it. And you will discover when Jesus wants to send people out, he sent them two by two. At least two is safe. Because Jesus' concept of church is wherever two or three are gathered. Although some people say wherever two or three women are gathered. Hmm. I say three, two or three ungodly women. But men have changed. They say, wherever two or three women are gathered, God is not there in their midst. <laughs> because these 12 spies went and came back. You know the report they brought. So my opinion. This one is saying this and find it remained only two. And Joshua was so smart. He said, it was only me and Caleb. Let me just call these two people and say, I want to say to two of you, what is your mind? And what is your mind? He discovered that they have the same mind. Wherever, uh, wherever any of you come together to bind anything, as touching anything, but you have to be two. You have to be two or three. Because if you are 12, there will be a problem. There bound to be some problem. So when we are 12, 13, 14, 15, hmm, okay, you need to pray. It's only Pastor Eric that can handle it. <laughs> because even among 12, Jesus had a devil. Yeah. I used to tell Pastor, if Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the anointed one, have 12 disciples and one is a devil. When you have 100 people in your congregation, how many devils? many devils you have. You know, in leadership, some people think they can do what they like. When you put them in position, you can't rebuke them. You can't even tell them, this is wrong. You say, if we're doing something, let them leave us to do what we're doing. The spirit is moving us. No. They are the one that chose you. If they don't give you microphone, you won't be popular in the congregation. And there are people that know how to do what you are doing better than you. Just everything you are asked to do in church just sees as a privilege. Because these people belong to Eric and Uba only. And only who they give opportunity to come and serve. Am I too hard this morning? That's why I'm mommy, I'm mother. I'm free to say whatever I want to say. Okay? But I want you to know in any church... Submission to authority is very crucial. So that pride will not enter into you like it entered into Judas. Because he was given the post. He was the manager. He was the accountant of the church. And he felt Jesus don't even know how to spend money. Remember when that woman brought that alabaster box, he said, oh, this thing is very, very uh, expensive. In another gospel, he was the one talking those things. And he said it's about 300 or there about 300 to 300, 3,000 rand or there about. How did he know? And he was so proud and so full of himself. Because he felt this ministry, we are the owner of it. Who says? He ended up killing himself because of pride. 
You have to be careful with the things of God. Be careful. Be very, very careful. And be under authority. When you are told and rebuked for anything, just say, thank you. Thank you, ma. Thank you, sir, if you say it here. Because where I'm coming from, there's a lot of culture of respect. Thank you, ma. Thank you, sir. Do you say ma or sir here? They don't say it. They don't even say it. (laughs) Whatever you say, just say, I'm grateful. Thank you for correcting me. Because you don't know where God is taking you. And it is when they give you little to handle and you handle it well, that much will be given to you. That's the mechanism of the anointing. That's how it operates. Praise the Lord, somebody. I said, praise the Lord, somebody. Anyway, what what was the story? He sent two of them, not 12. Because he wanted them to operate at the same level. I think you got something from that, okay? Okay? Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of what again? A hallow. Named Rehab. And they lodged there. In those days, they said, when you run a guest in, they just, they, uh, they count you as a, they call you halot because you, you, you have a guest house. That's why they lodge in her house. Okay, let's read now. Let's read. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the country. And what did Rahab do? What did he do? She do? Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came here, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly. (laughs) For you may overtake them. You know she's a businesswoman. You can't blame her. In business, you have to know what to do. Okay, and she didn't want to give away the people of God. There is a thin line between thinking you are telling lie or you are doing the work of God. There are situations like in those days in the Iron Curtain in Russia, you cannot tell the government that believers are praying in a particular place. You can't do that. If you do that, you give them out, they will kill them. That was what happened here. She was doing whatever she was doing on behalf of God. So don't say, Shebi, Shebi. After all, Rahab lied, so I can be lying. If you are in this situation, you can do the But if you are not in this situation, don't do it. Okay? When she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stock of flowers, which she had laid in order on the roof, I was thinking, were these men breathing at all? Because he laid them and said, don't even, don't even breathe. And she told them, and then, then the men pursued them by the road to Jericho. So the fourth and to the fourth and son, we, we 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 call it. She sent, she sent them on errand. It's time you begin to send your enemy on errands. You know, in soccer, that's what they say. I'm not a soccer fan, but they used to say, "Wow, this goal is like he sent so and so on errand." The leg will be like going this way and. called that way. Send them on errand. Amen. So they pursued them till they shut the gate. Verse 8 and 9 now, I think. Let's see. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. 
that the terror of, of you have fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Now, let's not uh, read further. He, now, she bargained with them that they will save her family. That was the reason why she was doing this. Ordinary woman, as they would say, ordinary woman became an extraordinary person. How do we confirm that? Her name entered the book of heroes in Hebrew 11 verse 31. I think we should read it. I think we should read it. I don't know. The, the way God works is not the way men walk. Some people you think will not enter the, the, the book of heroes. Are, their names are there. People like Rahab, Mary, all of them. They're there in the book. He's, her name entered the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. An ordinary woman became a hero. Verse 31. By faith. Everybody say by faith. The hallowed Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in peace. So everything she was doing was by faith. Was because of her strong conviction about God. Praise the Lord, somebody. That was the example of Rahab. Let's see verse 25 of Joshua chapter 6. Let's see what happened. Let's see what happened. Joshua 6 verse 25. And Joshua speared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwell in Israel to this day. We're talking about her today. To this day. Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. An ordinary woman became an extraordinary person. You can become one too. Begin to think of what you can do to make you become extraordinary. There are 1,001 things that you can do to become one. Amen, somebody. It's been said that the church is the most creative organization on earth now. Praise God. You can become an extraordinary person. Praise the Lord. How about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was planning her wedding, everything was set, and suddenly, the Lord encroached into her life. He said, Mary... That's in Luke chapter 1. Mary. And he said, here I am. Ordinary girl that wasn't known in Israel. In one corner. The angel of God visited her. He said, God is going to visit you. And that holy thing that will be born will be named Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sin. And this ordinary guy did not say, I don't want anyone to ruin my wedding. You know the reason why God can't use people today? You have your plan. You plan your life from beginning to the end. You are the alpha of your life and the omega of your life. You are the beginning and the end. Nothing comes in between. Nobody encroaches to your life. Nobody encroaches to your time. God cannot place demand on anything in your life. He can't say, just give me an extra time. No, you always have one thing to do. We were watching the, one of the films yesterday. God served a very big plate of cake for people. And people were coming, picking their own, and picking their own. And God was sitting down, thinking somebody would serve him. Nobody served him. The last person was eating, and it's like, okay, should I give him, should I not give him? And he pretended that God wasn't there. <laughs> Believers don't give. They don't prioritize God. They prioritize themselves. Not Mary. The ordinary girl became an extraordinary woman because the Bible says she's blessed above all women. She risked her marriage. She risked everything. Risked Joseph leaving her. 
Reese been stoned to death. But God fought on her behalf. She became the greatest woman. Even Catholic worship her, even though God didn't ask them to worship her. Because Jesus said, whatever the woman says, do it. Which means, I mean, the woman told them that whatever Jesus says, they should do it. When he wanted to turn water to wine. Praise the Lord. But an extraordinary person came out of her. And there's this one. This one is a big one. The apostles. Twelve apostles. Twelve completely ordinary people. Fishermen. Fishermen. The one, the first people that carry this kingdom, this gospel, that people are now riding private jets <laughs> on this same gospel. The pioneers were fishermen. The pioneers were ordinary people. They were task collectors. They were demon-infested people. But Jesus chose them anyway. Ordinary people. That's why when they want to refer to them, they will say, these Galileans. These Galileans. And when they call you, it's an abuse in those days. Like when they call you Negro. You know, Negro, black people don't want to be called Negro. They want to be called African-American now. Because to be a Negro means you were a slave. So when they say Galileans, Galileans, it means you are low class. Low class people, rural people, you know what it means when they say you are rural. Okay? Uneducated people, those were the people Jesus chose, commoners, nobodies, unworthy, un- unqualified. But he chose them anyway. He chose them. He would just call them. Why didn't he go to the palace? Okay? Will they answer him? No. But by the time you will now begin to see what these ordinary men accomplished in Jerusalem, they say, these are the men that have turned Jerusalem upside down. God wants your ordinariness. Praise God. God wants what? Your ordinariness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Let's see what it says. But we have this treasure. Which treasure? The anointing. The power of God. The gift of God. We have this treasure in 18 verses. That the excellency of the power may be God and not of us. You know that's why he does that. Nobody will be able to say, God chose me because of my education. You know the reason why God called me because I'm rich. God called me because I'm white. God called me because I'm black. Oh, don't you know, God called me because of whatever. There's always one reason why God called you. No, we have this vessels, treasure, the treasure of the anointing, the treasure of the power of God, and the favor of God. We have it in 18 verses. So that at the end of the day, no body, no flesh, we glory before him. The excellency of the power belongs to God. Like when God chose Moses, and Moses said, who I am? Who am I? He said, who am I? And God said, I am. You're not getting me this morning. He said, who am I? And God said, I am. That is the difference. When God chooses you as a vessel, it's because he knows he's going to fill you. It's because he's going to deposit something into your life. All you need to say, God, here I am. Because I'm ready to do what you want me to do. He said, who I am. 
that I will go bring people out of the land of Egypt. And you see, any time Moses comes across difficulty, he used to go to God. Am I their father that abandoned us to take them to the promised land? This is how far I can go. Kill me. And God said, okay, I will send an angel to go with you. He said, no, I don't want an angel. If you are not going, we are not moving. Because it's only God that can fill you up and take you to where you least expected. It's only God that can do it. You may be ordinary today. God is making an extraordinary person out of you. God is bringing the best out of you. Your story is changing. Your life is changing. You will have a testimony, says the Lord. Praise God, somebody. Praise God, somebody. Even the call of Abraham is the same thing. Abraham was in the hall of Chadi. He didn't know God. He was worshiping idol like every other person. How can you explain the way God called people? How can you explain? You didn't, it's not because of you. In Romans chapter 9, verse 15 to 16, this is like the theme of, of, of uh, uh, Romans 9 from verse 15 to 16. This is like the theme of to this year's uh, Thanksgiving. This year's Thanksgiving is titled, Mercy Said No. That's what Mercy says today. Because we know some people that are no longer alive now. We know different things that have happened to people. But mercy of God says no. For, for he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. Lift up your hand and say, God have mercy on me. Say it like three times. God have mercy on me. God have mercy on me. God have mercy on me. He said, I will have mercy on whoever I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whoever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills. Nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Oh, somewhere Paul said, it is by the mercy of God that he put me in the ministry. Praise the Lord. It's by the mercy of God that he put me in the ministry. Praise God. So you discover, you're not, okay, as you use this one. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It's the mercy of God, people of God. Without the mercy of God, we cannot be where we are today. It's all about the mercy of God. Sometimes when I ask people to go fast and pray, I will say, one whole day, just be asking God to have mercy on you. One whole day. Because when you know the technology of the mercy of God, there's nothing that mercy cannot do. That's why he will change you from an ordinary person to an extraordinary person. Not because you watch it or you deserve it. He just have mercy on you. Somebody lift up your hand and say, God have mercy on me in 2017. Have mercy on me. Let your mercy come upon me. Let your mercy come upon me. God put value on me. Put value upon my life. Let there be value upon my life. Yes, hallelujah. Praise the Lord somebody. I want to end now by reading one or two scriptures more. Elisha in 1 Kings chapter 11, I mean chapter 19, from verse 19. Maybe we should read from verse 15 first. Let's read from verse 15 first. So that, then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Go to the second verse. Also you shall anoint Jehu 
the son of Nimsi as king over Israel, and then you will anoint Eliza, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mehola, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Now, this was a secret conversation between Elijah and God. So, why sometimes God make an extraordinary person out of you? The part you need to play is the part of being sensitive. So that when hand is laid on you, or something is pointing to the direction, you will not refuse. Because Elisha was not part of this conversation. But let's see what happened from verse 19 now. From verse 19, let's see what happened. And he left the oxen, okay? So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plying with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Huh? I brought this mantle for a different thing, to pray for Eric and Uba today. But where is Elisha now? You look like Elisha. <laughs> and just the... Is my Elisha sitting down? Oh, my God. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Okay. Now, he found him. And just put... He departed from there, and he passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Let's see what happened. Let's see what happened. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. How? Sensitivity. Everybody says sensitivity. Sensitivity. Help me tell to your neighbor in 2017, 2017. you must be sensitive sensitive. to the anointing. anointing. Don't be dull. Don't be dull. If I just come to Jessica and put my hand on her, don't just take it for granted. I just place my hand. There has to be something. There's an impartation. You will receive it. Because God has told him, Elijah, Elisha is going to be in your place. And here is Elisha still struggling to do business. Still trying to do business of farming. And Elisha just passed through his, his cloth on him. And there was no encouragement on the part of Elijah. What is she saying? She's not even saying anything. Maybe she wants me to come and serve in the office. Let her say it by her mouth, with her mouth. He ran. He ran after Elijah and said, please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, no? for what have I to do? What did I say? Did I say anything? Did I even invite you? And he had God that this is, he didn't just say, I just want to encourage you, brother. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> Ministry is very difficult. And it's not, sometimes there will be no, no food. Sometimes there will be food. What many of you don't know that when you are pioneering a work, it's difficult. Yeah. I have been in the same house with my husband. This same my husband. Not any other husband. And there's no food. And there will be times we were fasting, and there are times because there's no food, you don't need to fast. <laughs> Elijah didn't have all those times to begin encouraging Elijah. It's not going to be easy. You just have to be encouraged. He said, what do I have to do? Did I say anything? Why are you following me? He said, please, let me just say goodbye. And he went back, 
according to the story, and kill the animals so that there's nothing to turn back to. That is what is meant to burn your bridge. And share it to the people and clear where and they follow him. And gentlemen, do you know Elisha did 32 miracles? Elijah did 16. Elisha did 32 miracles because he asked for the double portion of the anointing. Isn't that far better than flying with 12 yoke of oxen from ordinary to extraordinary? This is what God can do. And this is what God is going to do in your life. So sensitivity is very important. Preparation is very key. And I know this is times of preparation in this church. I remember in those days, church in Lagos, when we would be like 500, 400, the Lord would be telling me, these are just workers. These are the workers of the church. And I would be telling them, you people are excited. I'm not. This is just the workers. The workers. Do you know what workers? The choir, the this, the that, the this, the this. And currently, over 600 people are workers in that church. Praise the Lord. So these are the times of preparation. Yield yourself of preparation because something is happening. Something is going to happen. There's going to be explosion. Starting from 2017, there's going to be explosion. This place will be too small to, to contain you. Praise the Lord. Another thing you need to do to, for God to choose is submission. Just submit yourself to training. Praise the Lord. Because this is a time of process and then transition can take place. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord, somebody. My prayer for you is that grace upon grace will be released upon you. Grace upon grace. I want to close by reading uh, this particular place, Judges chapter 6, verse 34. Judges 6, verse 34. From ordinary to what? To extraordinary. Judges 6, 34. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The spirit of the Lord. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abizarite gathered behind him. But what made it different in the life of Gideon was the spirit. Was the spirit. There's nothing the spirit cannot do. My prayer is that the spirit of the Lord will come upon you as he came upon Gideon. You know what came upon Peter that he was able to walk upon the water? The spirit came upon him. What came about the early, upon the early apostles, they, would, they were able to turn Jerusalem up, upside down. The Spirit of God came upon them. Let's rise up as we pray. Let's rise up. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.